All praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank the Lord for what we feel here tonight. Doesn't it feel good in the house of God? Amen. And we are excited about what the Lord is doing. How many just how many just excited about what God is doing in our church? Thank the Lord. There's a beautiful, uh, beautiful touch of the Holy Ghost upon every service and upon just just what the Lord is doing. And I thank God for that. Uh, we're going to continue our series tonight uh, on the subject of good habits, strong disciplines, mature Christians. Uh, this will be our final study on this particular topic. We began at the beginning of the year uh, to talk about this because it is good to have good habits that will develop into strong disciplines and that will result in us becoming mature in our Christian walk with God. And, uh, you know, the reason that we do this, of course, is because we, we need to be refreshed in our spirit. Even if you have the Holy Ghost, even if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you and I, we need to be refreshed in the Lord. Uh, the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So it is the renewing of our minds that causes transformative power to take place in our lives. And so we want to continue to renew our minds. Uh, the reason for this is not because the Holy Ghost lacks power to make a permanent change. The Holy Ghost has all power to make a permanent change. But the fact of the matter is that as long as we're in this body, this body is a body of death. And because of this body of death, we have what is known, it's not just figurative, but it's quite literal. We have a flesh to contend with. And uh, this flesh is, uh, is something that we must always contend with. Uh, even the natural limitations that we have is a result of our fallen flesh. And so we must have a consistent dedication to the things of God, and that will cause us to uh, continue to grow in the Lord. And so we began our, our series with the matter of prayer, which includes praise, it includes worship, it includes repentance, it includes forgiving of others and receiving forgiveness for yourself, supplication, intercession, Prayer is a very, very important part of our walk with God. If you, you, don't, you don't have a walk with God if you're not praying. Praying is how we walk with God. It's how we commune with the Lord. And I, I remember my father teaching a statement that he made uh, that stuck with me growing up. He said, hey, he said, if you're wondering if you're backslidden, he said, if you're not praying, there's your answer. <laughs> if you're not praying, then you're not, you're not in communion with God. And that's what, that's what covenantal relationship is all about. It's communion with the Lord. And, uh, and so that's very important. Prayer is not only a good habit, but it, it, when it becomes a strong discipline, it will create maturity in us. And then we began to talk about our relationship with the Word of God uh, the following week. The Word of God, how to, how to read it, how to study it, how to... Uh, memorize it, how to apply it and obey it, how to hear it and listen to it, take it in, and then even teach it. It's very important even to be in a practice of, of sharing the word of the Lord. And, uh, and this creates a very healthy relationship with the word that is forever settled in heaven. 
And so that's very integral to being a, a mature Christian. And then we, of course, talked about our relationship with the church, which is the bride of Christ. The church, which is the bride of Christ. And this involves attending church. This involves uh, serving in the church. This involves, uh, this involves even speaking well of the church. And, and uh, the Bible speaks of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. That doesn't just, that doesn't just set the bar high for uh, those who are females. But that is also a picture of the church. That virtuous woman in Proverbs 31 is a picture of the church. And uh, the Bible talks about her children rising up and praising her. And this is a wonderful thing. Don't, don't, don't be in a habit of speaking negatively about the bride of Christ and then expect uh, in the same breath to be able to uh, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is a very important thing to... To, to support the bride of Christ and to lend yourself and lend your voice and lend your talents and your efforts to supporting the bride of Christ. So having a relationship with the church is a very important part of being a strong Christian. Tonight, we're going to talk about the subject of giving. Everybody say giving. Giving, very important subject. When you're having the, the topic of, of becoming a mature Christian, a mature Christian is a giving individual, one who gives. Uh, in fact, the Bible even speaks of giving liberally and cheerfully. And, uh, and this is very important that we, that we discuss this. Now, uh, I think sometimes people misunderstand and, and uh, feel like they can compartmentalize uh, themselves and parts of themselves from their walk with God. And that is not the case. Your walk with God and your relationship with God is, is an all-consuming uh, relationship. Let's revisit what he said, how we would love him. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. That about covers it. Those aren't broken up into percentages. It is a whole salvation. He is saving all of you. All of you belongs to him. All of me belongs to him. Not a little bit of me. We, we have to really understand. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. With the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. You belong to him. And, and yet because of our of our body of death and because of our connection to this world it is easy to listen to the things of the world and get our our mind convoluted by the things that are of this world and forget what our connection to God is all about and so we can begin to view things the way the world views them and sometimes this happens when the moment that a preacher starts talking about money if a preacher talks about money sometimes there's a little there's a little not that kind of develops in somebody's uh, stomach and uh, or maybe the thought will flash through their mind there we go I knew he was going to get to talking about this sometime soon and, uh, and and what that is is it's this tendency of our flesh to compartmentalize parts of us that we say now this is me and the rest I'll, I'll, I'll give to God but the fact of the matter is everything we are everything we have Everything that we hope for, everything we plan on, everything belongs to God. 
He is all in all. Hallelujah. And the sooner you really embrace that, the more peace you will have in your life. And so we're going to talk about the power of giving. We're going to talk about the blessing of giving. And we're going to talk about this this opportunity that God gives us to enter into the blessing of the Lord in our lives. First of all, we have to understand that money, like anything else in this world, is a part of this fallen world's system. It is a part of this fallen world system. The Bible it even refers to it as filthy lucre and, and unrighteous mammon. And there is, a, there is a fallen nature to money. This is why if you aren't budgeting your uh, dollars, then they have a way of flying away from you. If you're not paying attention to where they're going, giving those dollars a name and saying, I'm going to put these dollars here, these dollars there, and I'm going to reserve these dollars for this, then all of those dollars just pack up their bags and they start marching out whenever you have a whim or a fancy or some kind of an impulse. And, uh, and the reason is that there is a spiritual dynamism to money. And it can... It can uh, present itself as all spirits can present themselves in extremes. Either it can present itself in extreme poverty or it can present itself in extreme greed. And, uh, and either way is a spiritually damnable thing in terms of, of how a person is handling their money. Some people are, are very gripped by a spirit of of, of bondage that impoverishes them and they never enter into a blessing of the Lord. I'm not talking about having riches as this world would define riches, but I'm talking about the fact that you can come into an understanding that the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. Young and now old and still have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread because there is a covenant you enter into and you know, hey, God's got it. God has it all under control. And so, and then, and then of course, there is this other extreme where it's money, money, money. It's, I, I want it all and I'll do anything to get it. It's the love of that money and it's the root of all evil. In fact, it's interesting. That's an interesting term, the root of all evil. We've been talking a lot about the tree of life and roots and seed and branches and uh, trees. And, and, uh, and so when the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil... That is actually even the roots that were involved with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At the root of that tree that produced forbidden fruit was the love of money. And when you see Eve and the serpent bartering and negotiating, I'll give you this if you give me that. If you'll let me have this, then then can I be assured that it'll put me ahead this much? They didn't have maybe paper currency, but don't mistake, there was, there was advantage being sought in that whole transaction. When she saw that the tree was good for food, when she saw that the tree was a tree to be desired to make one wise, at the root of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was, was the love of money. And, and, and you have to understand that this can get a hold of a person and can, can completely... Uh, distort their thinking and distort their view. So money is a thing that needs to be sanctified. Money is a thing that needs to be brought under subjection. It is something that needs to be subdued and brought into covenant with Almighty God. 
And so uh, this is where the subject of tithing comes in. Tithing is when we give the Lord 10% of our gross income because of the fact that we are not just supporting the church, not just supporting the work of God, but, but we are participating in something of a divine nature when we give the Lord the first tenth of what comes our way. This was the same kind of a principle that the Lord was teaching the children of Israel when he established the first fruits offering. When he established the first fruits offering. He said to them, there's going to come an, a, a harvest in the spring. And this spring harvest will be a, it will be a, a foreshadowing of what is coming in the fall. And I want you to bring the first fruits. I want you to bring an offering of the first fruits unto me. And he would bring that, they would bring that offering of the first fruits, and the, the priests would wave that first fruits offering unto the Lord. And what they were basically doing was they were giving up this matter of this offering of the first fruits as an act of faith saying, Lord, we thank you for what you have provided. And because of what you have provided here, we're believing that you are going to provide an abundance of harvest in just a few months. It was an act of faith. And it was a feast unto the Lord. Now, it was not in and of itself uh, total or complete. It was a reflection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a foreshadowing, a type and a shadow of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. And his coming up from the dead is a foreshadowing of what we will experience in the resurrection. So just as those as the Hebrews would experience that first fruit offering in the spring and offer it unto the Lord in anticipation of what was coming in just a few months, just as that was the case, Jesus rising from the dead is a great anticipation of what will happen when the Lord shall return for his church. And I want you to know that, that the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. Hallelujah. We're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. How do we know, how do we know that's going to happen? How do we know that's going to happen? Because I know it's going to happen. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal body that's dying every day must put on immortality, and then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who hath given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You want to know how we know that's going to happen? Number one, the Bible tells us so. But, but, but the primary reason, even, even beyond what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Everything we breach, everything we believe, everything we experience, everything we stand on is tied to the first fruits of the resurrection. Hallelujah. Everything is tied to the first fruits of the resurrection. Heaven is tied to the first fruits of the resurrection. Eternal life is tied to the first fruits of the resurrection. You know why we know we can sing, I'll meet you in the morning. First fruits of the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. That means it's going to happen. The same is true of the tithe. When you give your tithe, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have enough money to accomplish what the Lord would have you accomplish because when you are putting that first fruits into the hands of God, you are saying, Lord, it is done. I believe it. This is the first fruits of my offering just as Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. Hallelujah. And if Israel would bring that first fruits to God, they were saying, all right, we know that harvest is coming. Because we're not being stingy with it. We're not saying we're going to keep this to ourselves. And we don't know whether there's going to be anything in October, so we better get this while we got it. No, they went to God and said, here you are, God. Here is our faith that, that, that because you have provided this, you are going to provide everything we have need of. And so now people uh, sometimes are concerned uh, about when a preacher talks about money and the devil likes to do that, put that into the minds of people. And, and so, so uh, many times preachers abuse that. And we've seen, we've seen that happen where where uh, preachers will take a hold of this precious truth and, uh, and they will try to abuse that and try to manipulate people. And I want you to know that there's going to be a spirit of giving to come over First Apostolic Church in this, in this next several months and years as we proceed to do what God has called us to do. And not one bit of it will come because of manipulation. And not one bit of it will come because of begrudging. And not one bit of it will become even by necessity. It will come by the moving of the Holy Ghost. It will come because of the moving of the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. And, and when it happens, great blessing will come upon the people. Here's why there's blessing. It's not, God's not up there, you know, saying, I was just kidding about that whole works thing. You know, the just shall live by faith. And, and, and of course, there's works in faith. But, but, but we got to get it in the right order. Okay, we sh- we, faith without works is dead and we show our faith by our works. But we don't operate in works without faith. And, and, and it becomes a faith in our works. That's not where the faith is. The faith is in God. And to demonstrate that faith in God, we enact a work. And the act of faith as it relates to our money is tithing. That's the act of faith. Uh, in fact, there's precedent as far back as Abraham uh, coming to Melchizedek. And uh, we, we, are, we don't altogether understand who Melchizedek is, but we do know that Jesus Christ is made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And Abraham gave tithe unto Melchizedek. 
It's very important to understand that that's where tithing was established. Uh, he would, did, tithing was not established merely as a part of the Levitical priestly order, the Aaronic priestly order. It was a part of the Levitical priestly order, but it was a part of the Levitical priestly order because it was a part of the order of Melchizedek. So some would say, well, it's fulfilled when the law of Moses was fulfilled in Christ. Then that means that tithing is fulfilled because tithing was a part of the Levitical order. Tithing predates the Levitical order. So it's not fulfilled when the law of Moses is fulfilled because it was a part of the order of Melchizedek. And that is the priesthood that Jesus Christ is made forever after the order of Melchizedek and so tithing is a part of God's plan it's not God saying all right this is how we're going to work this I want 10% of everything 10% of everything come on cough it up cough it up that's not how it works God is saying I'm going to bless you and I'm going to lift the curse off of your money and this is how I'm going to do it you give that first unto the Lord and that releases God to be able to pour the blessing of heaven upon your money and all of a sudden your money becomes sanctified by the power of God that's why that's why you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when you come and when you go that's why that's why mutual fund managers ought to rejoice when you put your money into their account because you're putting sanctified money in that account Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why when you're holding on to your money, that's say, even stop thinking of it as your money. Say, Lord, thank you for what you have given me. I'm bringing unto you this tenth as an act of faith. Hallelujah. That the harvest is coming. That the harvest is coming. And so there's a blessing. There is a blessing in that. And so the Bible is replete with references to first, first fruits, firstborn. One place the Lord told Moses and Aaron to tell the priests that they were to uh, give their firstborn unto the Lord for his service. And this was a, this was a type, again, of, of the ministry of Jesus Christ. They were tithing, they were tithing even their children unto the Lord. And, and they, those children were being dedicated unto the service of the Lord. And so, so when you do this, you are you are entering into the blessing of God. So, so when the Bible uses terms like first, it should, it should cause an alarm to go off because God is speaking of the principle of first fruits. And so it's a powerful principle, and it's a way that God seeks to bless you. He is bound by his word to bless faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is faith that pleases God. It is faith that unlocks the miraculous. That's a part of the law of God. It's, it, when, you, when you demonstrate faith, you are entering into agreement with whatever you are demonstrating faith in. So if you're demonstrating faith in your career, then you are entering into agreement that you are going to be blessed by what your career can provide to you. And so, and, and that can be, that can be a lot. Your career can provide a lot of things. But, but see, the reason that, that I choose to place my faith in God is that, that by placing my faith in God, it doesn't matter what man shall do unto me. 
I will not fear what man shall do unto me because my covenant is with, is with the Lord. And so the Lord looks out for us. Matthew chapter 6 and, uh, and verse number 19. Listen to what he says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where th- thieves do not break through and steal. For, and here's, this is very powerful. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart always follows your treasure. Always. It's a scriptural principle. So wherever you're placing your treasure, that's where your heart is, whether you like it or not. When you purpose in your heart, To put your treasure into the things of God, your heart follows after. Your heart follows after the treasure as it is placed. And so when you place your treasure into the things of God and say, Lord, I'm going to put my treasure into your work because this is an eternal thing. Your heart begins to run after and you become like David, a man after God's own heart. Hallelujah. You begin to say, God, I want to love what you love. I want to hate what you hate. Uh, and so, so tithing and free will offerings open up this opportunity for the Lord to bless you in this way. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Are y'all ready, are y'all ready to receive this, what he's about to say? Because this, this is gonna just get all up on every one of us, the preacher included. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. Help us, Holy Ghost. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air. When was the last time you looked at the fowls of the air? For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies. Wherefore, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye? O ye of little faith. Ouch. Therefore, take no thought. Wow, I'm telling you, folks, these are red letters I'm reading. I mean, we're already trying to decide what we're going to eat for lunch tomorrow. Where we're going to go for dinner this weekend and... And what am I in the mood for? Let me see. No, I had that last week. We're already trying to decide what we're going to wear for work tomorrow morning. But he said, take no thought 
saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And he's speaking particularly of, do not be afraid of whether you will be hungry or thirsty. God will provide. You know, God forbid we ever become like the Laodicean church, which was increased with goods and had need of nothing. Because I'm going to tell you, the apostolic church was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And those pillars of the apostolic church were people who gave all. And they poured their lives out like liquid before the Lord. And, and, and story after story after story can be told of those precious people who gave everything to God and sat down at their own dinner table and had nothing for they or their family to eat. But there would be a knock at the door. And there'd be somebody who said, the Lord told me to bring you, you know, roast beef. I mean, it's, it happened over and over. And, and, and we... It's 2018, Brother Urshan. We don't operate like that anymore. You're right. We sure don't. And we're missing a lot of things. And we're li- we lack a lot of things. Because we've learned to place more faith in our abilities than in God. We've placed more faith in what we can gain for ourselves than in God. And God is speaking to us in, as in saying, you've shown me what you can do. Let me show you what I can do. And we've shown God what we can do. We've shown, we, where we are right now, where we've arrived as individuals, I mean. You look around your personal life, at your, at your possessions, look around at your personal life, at what you've accrued, what you've accumulated, and, and you can see what you have been able to do. But when you give it to God, you'll see what He can do. And notice what the scripture says. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye, and here's the word, first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And you know what's amazing about that is that we don't even, he doesn't even tell us how they're going to be added. He just says they're going to be added unto you. Hallelujah. And uh, so, so there's this matter of giving. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about, about the matter of, of uh, giving all. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just going to give you what the scripture says about it. Because I'm, no, I'm in no position to get up here and tell everybody, all right, everybody give all. But I do believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to move upon some people. And, and we're, going to be, we're going to be amazed at what God is going to move upon people to do and to give. And it will reach deep into their spirit and into their soul. And they will give, not out of their abundance, but they will give sacrificially. And it will open the windows of heaven over this city. Now that's going to happen because the Lord has already begin to sh- begun to show me things as to what he is going to be doing in our congregation. And, and, and so it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't even know the details. All I know is that God is getting ready to blow our mind. He's getting ready to open something up that, we've not, that I've never experienced before. 
Hallelujah. Notice what Matthew chapter 19 verse 16 says. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good shall I, good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He just picked a few good commandments. said these. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. I've been doing this stuff for a long time. He said, then what do I lack? Jesus said unto him, if thou will be perfect. Oh, God, help us. God, have mercy. It's easy to preach against this rich young ruler. How many times have we stood up and said, and the rich young ruler couldn't, and and, and every one of us fall into this category. So we can't throw any stones at the rich young ruler. Notice what he said. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go. And sell all that thou hast, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God. All things, hallelujah, all things are possible. Then answered Peter, now, now folks, you know, we talk about, we talk about the, the, the greatness of those, the Bible calls them holy apostles. We talk about the, the, the holy apostles and the miracles that flowed from them. Folks, their shadow fell on people and people were healed. They would take aprons and napkins from the body of Paul and, and, and take it to someone. That's where we get the idea of a prayer cloth, anointing it with oil in the name of the Lord and praying over it and sending it out to someone who can't be here to be prayed for. We get it from the passages of Scripture referencing Paul, how that they took aprons and napkins from his body and would, and would take them to people and those people would be healed. These are powerful folks. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they were endued with power from on high. And we're getting ready to find out why in Matthew 19, 27. Then answered Peter and said to him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. And what shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto him, unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to uh, turn your attention to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. The scripture says, and Jesus looked up. 
and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. Now, obviously, obviously, if any, they didn't have calculators back then. Because it doesn't take a mathematician to count those offerings and to make a determination of who gave more. The poor widow with two mites or the rich man casting their gifts into the treasury. It doesn't take a mathematician to figure that one out. And, and yet Jesus, who created numbers, says she gave more. And he said, of a truth, of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. And the power of all, was more weighty in heaven than was the casting in of abundance. And again, you count it up. I'm sure if you took the rich men's offerings and set them to the side, you could probably build a pretty good edifice. But you take those two mites, and I don't know what they can accomplish, but God does. It's not for me to know what they can accomplish, but God knows. And God can take those two mites like he took those two fishes and break them and bless them and multiply them and feed the multitudes. Hallelujah. So, so the kind of giving that comes upon a people is a kind of giving that is sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is different than just, just giving. The tithe is a giving that... that, that, that offers a first fruit unto the Lord and sanctifies your, your money. It sanctifies what God has provided to you. And, and you are putting it in the hands of God. You're saying, God, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the tenth, and the tenth will sanctify the whole. And so now you're operating with money that is blessed of the Lord. And, and that's the tithe. Then there's this element of sacrificial giving. That goes into the matters of the deep things of God. I can't even, I don't even understand how it works. All I know is that it is a faith that unlocks the windows of heaven. In a way that we can't fully understand or describe. And it has to do with this matter of giving unto the Lord sacrificially. This is why David made the statement when they, when they tried to give to him the threshing floor. He said, no, I want to, I want to pay. I want to, I'm not going to give anything, I'm not going to give anything to God that doesn't cost me something. Why did he say that? He said that because he understood the power of sacrifice, sacrificial giving. And so this is, this is what he was determined to do. And it works. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6. Now, now as, as, as the Lord moves upon a person to give unto the Lord, it's important that they are able to pray, that they are able to seek God, that they are able to, to arrive at a place where they can understand what the Lord would have them to do. And, and, and arriving at a place of faith and sacrifice and say, okay, God, 
what would you have me to do? 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So, so uh, sowing sparingly causes a reaping sparingly. Sowing bountifully causes a reaping bountifully. These are scriptural principles. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Nobody should give out of a feeling of guilt. Nobody should give out of a feeling of necessity. Nobody should give out of a feeling of, of grudgingly. Like pastor just talked about people giving all. So if I don't give all, then I'm some horrible wretch, so I better go give all. I don't think we're in danger of anybody doing that. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want you to do it begrudgingly. I don't want you to do it of necessity. He said, do it as you purpose in your, not in your mind, in your heart. Not in your, not in your accounting brain, in your ability to factor all of the equations, but, but in your heart, purpose in the Lord, what you shall give, not grudging. Not of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, hallelujah, giver. And you will arrive at a place where you come to a peace in your spirit and you say, I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. God wants me to do this and I will do it without fear. This is, I'm not doing this because somebody put me on a guilt trip and made me feel like I wasn't giving enough. That's not why I'm doing it. And I'm not doing it because I'm afraid if I don't, I won't be blessed. And so I'm doing it out of fear. No, no, no. Cheerful giving. Joyous giving. And, and, and again, you can't guilt people into giving cheerfully. Well, if you don't have a smile on your face while you're doing it, then bless God. That's not what it's about. It's about, it's about having genuine peace in your soul. Genuine peace in your heart saying, I know that the Lord has shown to me what he would have me give. And I'm going to tell you something. When you release it into the hands of God, hallelujah, it's, it's like a baby jumping into their father's arms knowing he's going to catch them. Thank you, Jesus. And you are releasing yourself. That, 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 that money you're releasing into the hands of God. And it's no longer something that you think I have to hold on to it because God won't take care of me. It's something of, I know he's got this under control and he has put a figure, he's put a spirit of giving in me and a figure that he would have me given to him. So when I lay it down before the Lord, I don't walk away thinking I could have given more. I walk away knowing he showed me what to give. He showed me what to give. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, there's a spirit of giving that comes on people. I, I was preaching one time in Kokomo, Indiana, and uh, we, were, we were getting ready to go into a, a building program, and, uh, and I was preaching, and the, I was preaching on faith and, and giving, and the Lord spoke to me and said, open up your wallet right now and throw everything you have in your wallet on the altar. Just right now. 
And I, and I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I said, I'm going to, I'm gonna, and I announced it. I said, you know what? I said, I'm, I don't know what's in my wallet. I'm going to open it up and throw it on the altar. And I thought, uh-oh, what do I have in there? I want to make sure I didn't have anything too big in there that I forgot about. And then I thought, uh, well, it'd be embarrassing if I only had two bucks in there, too. You know, that's real generous. So what? As it turned out, I had two 20s and two $1 bills. I had $42 in my wallet. Pretty happy medium between, you know, too much and too little. So I was like, thank you, Lord, for watching over me. <laughs> but I just opened up my wallet and I threw it on the floor. And when I threw that down on the altar, the Spirit of the Lord moved on me. I began to weep. I fell over the pulpit weeping. And I got caught away in the Holy Ghost for the next few moments. When I opened my eyes, the rest of the congregation was coming down, opening their wallets. I didn't ask anybody to do that. And they began to open up their wallet and whatever they had thrown in there. One man in the church had said, he called me that week, and he said, uh, Brother Joel, I want to tell you, he said, I, I, I only had about $15 in my wallet he said, we had a plumbing situation at our house this week. And he said they were, the first opinion we got was going to cost us $7,500. And the second opinion that we got was going to cost about $7,000. We didn't have any of it. And so he said, I, 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 just, I just went, put whatever little bit I had in my wallet and said, God, this is all I got in my wallet. So, but, but this is what's going on. There's a spirit of, there's a spirit of faith that's in operating in this house. So I'm going to give this to you and you know, my need, he said, I don't know how to explain this, but we just had a third opinion come in and this guy and his company's telling us that he's just going to do it for $75. He said, I don't understand how that happened. The other companies were talking about breaking up flooring and getting down under the house. And this guy said, you don't have to do any of that. I'll fix this for 75 bucks. He said, I don't know why this happened, except that God moved upon me to just give that little bit that I had in my wallet. And if you'll trust the Lord, I'm going to tell you, it's little acts of faith. It's a little act of faith here and a little act of faith there that opens up the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. It's not a, it's not a, listen, this isn't prosperity doctrine. This isn't get rich quick, get rich. You give to God and God will make you, God will give you a Rolls Royce. Now, if God gives you a Rolls Royce, that's your business between you and God. But, but, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about there is a blessing, hallelujah, that comes upon your life when you tell God, God, I don't just trust you with this and that, but I'm going to trust you with the most material of things I have in my possession. I'm going to put it into your hands and say, you can take care of me. God, it belongs to you. I'm going to let you take care Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In the book of Acts, and the fourth chapter, the book of Acts, and the fourth chapter. Listen, don't live beneath this privilege. Don't live beneath it. Don't live beneath it. Let the Lord open up his, his blessing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let the Lord open up his blessing in your life. 
Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The book of Acts chapter 4 describes a, a, the power of God that came upon the early church. And giving is a part of that. Giving is a part of that. Praying is a part of that. Everything we've talked about in good habits, strong disciplines, and mature Christians is a part of what created a focused power of God in the early church. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they gave themselves continually under the word of God in prayer. And it caused a revival that transformed their world and ours. We are still being being blessed by the ministry of these people in the book of Acts. And these people were killed for what they were standing for. And, and it still reaches 2,000 years down the road. Across seas and into continents. Don't you know, ladies and gentlemen, do you know how many false prophets have said that Christianity would be extinguished by whatever date they announced? And here we are. Hallelujah. And here it all happened with these people who gave, who forsook all and followed him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and it, it, stretched, it stretched over decades, over millenniums, over seas, over continents. And it's reaching even to where we are today. Brother uh, Tom Ellis was contacting me today asking me about the miracle of Brother Kurtz uh, when he was suffering from botulism in 1930 and uh, and he's wanted to share it in, in one of his teachings on prayer and uh, and for those who don't know the story brother Kurtz was suffering from botulism and uh, and and he had he had it was on the verge of death at the first building the first apostolic church had which was on the corner of Walnut and McMicken he and sister Kurtz lived above the church in that building and uh and he was suffering so badly that they knew for sure he would die and the saints gathered in the church and prayed day and night day and night and they prayed for him and when they prayed for him the lord healed him and when the lord healed him the power of god fell upon that place in such a way that the whole building shook under the power of god so much so that the top two stories of that building were condemned and left that building as a one-story building. And if you go down to the corner of Walnut and McMicken today, you'll see three-story building, three-story building, three-story building, three-story building, one-story building. It's because God marked the spot. The power of God fell on that place and, and it so violently shook that building. Hallelujah. You know, they left. that's when they left and went to Colerain. And shortly after that, it was almost like God said, I'm going to move you to another place. And, 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 and if, you know, I'm going to help you be motivated to do it. Not only am I going to heal Brother Kurtz, I'm going to shake the place and condemn the first two, top two stories. Hallelujah. And so, so he was asking about that. In this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 4 relates where it happened in the book of Acts. The Bible says in, uh, in, the Bible says in uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 3. 29, now, Lord, behold their threatenings. This is a prayer of the apostles. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. 
And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace Favor, favor, favor was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold, laid them down at the apostles' feet. Distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Hallelujah. Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Hallelujah. Now, this, of course, is, tells the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a possession but kept back part of the price of the land. And being his wife was privy to it, and they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? After it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? As Ananias heard these words, he fell down and gave up the ghost. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. The young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, buried him. It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have... Buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost. The young men came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Now notice, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Hallelujah. It goes on to describe the revival that took place. The Bible says there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks. Them which were vexed with unclean spirits. They were healed. Every one. Hallelujah. And and throughout the next several chapters the apostles ministry began to flourish and the church grew and multiplied. They were persecuted. The church grew and multiplied. They were, they were, uh, they were arrested. The church grew and multiplied. Continued to grow and continued to multiply because the people came into one mind and one accord and said, Lord, we're going to purpose in our heart. And, and Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost. This was something they were trying to do things of a grudging nature. And Peter said, was it not your land before you sold it? Was it not your land, your money after you sold it? Why would you lie to the Holy Ghost? No need to lie to the Holy Ghost. Just have have a purpose in your heart with God and let the Lord lead and guide and say, Lord, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is what I have to give unto you. What would you have me to give unto you? And as every man purposeth in his heart, so let him give Hallelujah unto the Lord. And I want you to know that there's a blessing of God. There's a blessing of God that comes upon the individual who just stands before the Lord and says, Lord, I I don't have much, but what I do have, give I unto you. 
give I unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Notice what the scripture says. Peter looked at that man and said, you know, silver and gold have I none. Now, prosperity doctrine would tell you that Peter should have had a bunch of silver and Peter should have had a bunch of gold, but he didn't have anything. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I'm come to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God will withhold the materialistic so we can experience the miraculous. Don't ever trade the materialistic for the miraculous. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just say, God, this material thing, I thank you for your blessings. But if it didn't come from you, I don't want it in my life. If it didn't come from you, I don't want it in my life. If it came by my own posturing and by my own positioning, then, Lord, those are the things that I give unto you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, oh, let's praise the Lord right now. Let's praise the Lord right now. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of God Almighty. Glory to the name of our God Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Creator of all things. Hallelujah. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Oh, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's magnify the Lord in this place. Let's magnify the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of God. Glory to the name of God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's lift up our hands and praise him. Let's lift up our hands and praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's lift up our voices and praise him right now. Holy Ghost, we praise you, oh God. We praise you, oh God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Oh, come on, let's praise him, church. The glory of God is in this place. The glory of God is in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, all across this building, let's praise the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Come on, let's lift him up in this house. All across this building, let's lift him up in this house. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I praise you. I praise you, O God. 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 Shatala Namaha. Shatala Namaha. 
Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Come on, all across this building, let's exalt His name to be highest. His name to be highest. The name of the Lord Jesus to be higher than anything in our life. That's what it's about right now. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. The name of the Lord Jesus be exalted. The name of the Lord Jesus be exalted. The name of the Lord Jesus be exalted. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Oh, Savior, 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 we love you. Savior, we praise you. Savior, we praise you. Savior, we love you, oh God. Oh God, King, Redeemer, Friend, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious my King. And no one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. And Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. And oh Lord, I bring an offering to you. I bring an offering of worship to my King, and no one on earth deserves the praises that I sing, and Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due, and oh Lord, I bring an offering to you and I bring an offering 